From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Reunited. It would be preferable to plan surgical interventions within two to three weeks of watchful observation. First this. This year's ASCRS annual symposium was great. I learned a lot that I'm applying to my practice right now. If I have any complaint, it's that I couldn't get to all the sessions I wanted to because some of them overlapped. That's why I'm so excited about the new ASCRS Media Center. More than 1,300 sessions from that meeting are now available through this great new resource. See what you missed or revisit the most interesting sessions. The Media Center is free to all meeting attendees. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information. During cataract surgery, there's much that we want to separate. We hydrodissect to separate cortex from capsule. We crack the nucleus to separate halves and then ultimately quadrants. But one thing we don't want to separate is Decimase membrane from the rest of cornea. Alas, Decimase detachments do occur. And when they are substantial, they can cause real problems. Reattaching decimase can be challenging, but a relatively simple technique of air bubble tamponade shows promise. Sunita Chasoria and Prashant Garg have recently published results of a study examining this technique, and I'm happy to welcome them today. The sound quality of our connection was not good, but the information is so important that I wanted to present it anyway. How big a problem is decimase detachment after cataract surgery? Uh, cataract surgery uh, is one of the most commonly performed surgical procedures worldwide. We all know that. And uh, yes, decimase membrane detachment is a rare complication and is usually seen during the training of the cataract surgeon in the training hands. But it is not unusual even in the hands of experienced cataract surgeons. Uh, we in the developing world also perform a lot of uh, small incision, manual small incision cataract surgery, uh, essentially the Blumenthal technique. So during the training, the training of uh, this Blumenthal technique, we do encounter a lot of training to come across with uh, decimal memory detachment during the ACM entry, that is the one surgical step of the technique. During sequel emulsification also, we do encounter a lot of these cases. And uh, there is scarcity of literature on the true incidence of DM detachment. There is one study which reports the incidence to be around 0.5% in faithful multiplication and approximately 2.5% in conventional ECC. Considering the visual implications of this uh, complication, this being a very serious sight-setting complication, I would consider it as a big problem. By what mechanism does decimase detachment typically occur? Is it simply mechanical trauma from the phaco tip or, or, or the phaco sleeve? The occurrence of distance membrane detachment is surgically induced, although rarely there may be some predisposing factors in some individuals. Uh, if we consider phaco emulsification, distance membrane detachment can happen at the main incision or at the site of the side port incision. Now, phaco emulsification surgery requires a lot of manipulations at the main incision. Decimus membrane detachment can happen due to the mechanical trauma as we said from either from the phaco tip or the sleeve in a situation 
where there is a struggle or a forceful entry at the incision site when going with the irrigation on board. Uh, this essentially leads to engagement and ripping of the desmic membrane at the site of the incision, at the internal lip of the incision mainly, and as the fluid jet enters the pre-desmic phase, a large detachment can happen. Gene detachment uh, can also arise at the side foot when using the biomanual for irrigation and aspiration in a situation where one enters with the irrigation on and has a trouble while navigating through the side foot. In both these situations, a narrow and a tight incision, along with a soft tie, increases the risk of gene detachment. If it's left untreated, what, what is the natural history of decimase detachment? There are reports of uh, spontaneous reattachment of detached desmic membrane. However, in, in large number of cases, uh, the, uh, if, if desmic membrane detachment is left untreated, it results in uh, progressive corneal edema and uh, its consequences. Uh, the fluid that accumulates between desmic membrane and the stroma leads to the stromal hydration, uh, which then lead to epithelial edema with bullet formation and subsequent corneal scarring and vascularization. Let me get you to describe the design of your study. In the year 2010, uh, uh, when myself, Sunita, and Murlidhara, who, who are co-authors of this paper, uh, were managing cases of desmet membrane detachment, we decided that let us look at uh, the outcome of desmet membrane detachment management uh, in, in, in some way. Therefore, all the patients that underwent uh, surgical management of desmet membrane detachment between August 2010 to February 2011 uh, were, uh, were included in the study. Uh, their medical charts were reviewed to look for the clinical characteristics at the time of presentation or immediate post-operative period and the uh, extent of desmet membrane detachment, uh, the kind of the intervention that we have performed and the outcome. So it was basically uh, we, and we entered the data prospectively, but uh, the final analysis was done through a retrospective chart. How extensive was the decimase membrane detachment in these patients? And how many days postoperatively was the desmetopexy performed? In our study, the majority of the eyes had more than 75% of the detached area of involvement. All eyes had involvement of the visual axis. Also, all were non-planar detachments where the desmic membrane separation was more than 1 to 2 millimeters from the posterior stroma. Uh, regarding the desmetopexy procedure, which was performed at variable duration between patients, the mean duration was 19 days with a range of 2 to 49 days. Can you walk me through a typical desmetopexy procedure? Here, I would uh, first like to highlight the importance of a meticulous slit lamp evaluation prior to the procedure. The success of this simple procedure depends entirely on identifying the characteristics of the detachment. During preoperative evaluation, one needs to locate the ideal site of entry the anterior chamber. The best site for the entry is the limbal location where the desmic membrane is approximated or at least seems to be in close proximity to the posterior stroma. So as the purpose is 
to reach the plane beneath the detached chestnut membrane. The entry is then done using a 29 gauge or a 23 needle with the barrel down. As we reach the desired plane beneath the chestnut membrane, no air injection is performed. The end point of air insulation is achieving the complete air seal in the anterior chamber. This air tamponade with complete seal is maintained for approximately 8 to 10 minutes duration with the patient in the supine position, similar to the practice what we do for the chestnut stripping endothelial keratoplasty surgery. Thereafter, a partial release is done in a very controlled manner so as to retain two-thirds of the air in the anterior chamber. This is done to avoid a pupillary block. For how long was the patient required to remain supine with the air bubble in the anterior chamber? It is around 8 to 10 minutes. So a very short time. How high would you estimate the intraocular pressure was at the end of this procedure? The purpose of this procedure is basically to uh, oppose the desmet membrane to the underlying stroma. And therefore, you always aim to achieve a complete uh, anterior chamber fill with the air. Uh, the intraocular pressure is raised such that desperate membrane gets firmly opposed to the underlying stroma. And therefore, I presume that uh, on the operating table, when the air is completely filling the anterior chamber, the intraocular pressure is in the range of uh, 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 high 30s. Uh, but at the conclusion of the surgery or just before uh, we patch the eye, air is partly released and the intraocular pressure is returned to near normal, which is in the range of high uh, uh, or uh, high 10. In the post-operative period, the intraocular pressure uh, or the extent of rise in intraocular pressure depends on the amount of residual air that is left in the anterior chamber and whether patient has developed any pupillary block. Except in two patients in our series, all the patients had normal intraocular pressure on the first post-operative phase. Even in these two uh, people, uh, in these two patients, in one of the patients, uh, we forgot to instill mitriatic drop at the conclusion of surgery, and that we presume probably pushed the air bubble behind the iris and resulted in pupillary block blood. Uh, so it's a if we release the air at the conclusion of surgery, most of the time the problem of raised intraocular pressure is not a significant issue. What were your results? What were your findings from the study? Out of the 14 patients that we analyzed uh, during the study period, uh, 12 had, uh, 13 had successful reattachment of the desmet membrane. Uh, uh, at one month follow-up. Uh, the uh, eight patients had compact stroma even on the first post-operative day uh, when the air was filling nearly half to two-third of the anterior chamber. By one week, uh, all the patients had compact stroma which cleared subsequently over next three more weeks. The visual acuity was very satisfactory, um, uh, except two patients, all patients had visual acuity of 20, 40 or better. Even in these two patients, one patient had a, a detached desmet membrane and he was given the option of desmet stripping endothelial keratoplasty, but 
he refused to undergo the procedure and in the second patient the cause of poor vision was cystoid macular edema so these were the two patients where that uh, in or these these were the patients where the visual acuity was worse than 2040 so if i have to summarize i think in 13 patients we had successful reattachment uh, using air as a tamponading agent and one patient had the persistent attachment of the you used air for the dismetopexy uh, in in your technique for this study are there any advantages or disadvantages to using air over a chlorofluorocarbon like, oh excuse me over a chlorofluorocarbon gas This is a very interesting question. Actually, we were also using uh, perfluorocarbons uh, till 2000, uh, early part of 2010, and then we realized that uh, since we are doing desmate uh, stripping endothelial keratoplasty and we are not using perfluorocarbons in that, that means that it should be possible to successfully reattach this detached desmate membrane using air. and that was the logic that we started using air as a tamponading agent for this procedure uh the advantages air offers are number one is it's a non expensive gas and therefore the risk of post operative raised intraocular pressure is much less as compared to this perfluorocarbon Number two, the degree of endothelial cell toxicity is much lower with the air as compared to perfluorocarbon. Number three, it gets quickly absorbed and therefore visual recovery also is much faster. And based on the experience with desmate membrane, uh, desmate stripping endothelial keratoplasty, we now very clearly understand that you really do not need to have air tamponade or or perfluorocarbon gas. tamponade for a much longer period if you are able to attach desmate membrane on the table and retain a small bubble in the anterior chamber that probably holds the desmate membrane and facilitates attachment so there is practically no need for putting or using perfluorocarbon for this procedure given that some of these detachments will spontaneously resolve without surgical intervention at what point is surgical intervention like like air desmetopexy warranted uh, as you rightly said some of these detachments will resolve spontaneously without any intervention but the length of time needed is very variable also there is a factor of uncertainty and unpredictability in these cases so in view of these issues it would be preferable to plan surgical intervention within 2 to 3 weeks of watchful observation however there are certain circumstances where uh, one would like early intervention these are especially the cases which have a central visual access involvement in the context of your own practice now what do you do how do you manage these patients in in our practice we uh, carefully evaluate all these patients of desmate membrane detachment to determine the extent of detachment uh, and the and the site of detachment and once we identify that a particular patient needs surgical intervention uh, especially the patients where the central visual access is involved or the extent of desmate membrane detachment is more than uh, 2 mm from the stroma uh, these patients are taken for surgery early 
rather than delaying it uh, and expecting spontaneous resolution. Uh, these patients uh, are taken in the operating room under sterile aseptic precautions. Uh, we enter from the site where the detriment is attached and after positioning 26 or 29 gauge needle under the detriment membrane, the air bubble is injected in the anterior chamber. And as we, from this study as well as now with the experience with air, uh, we have now completely replaced using perfluorocarbon as a method of choice for tamponading and believe or rely more on air uh, for that purpose. Uh, once the air is or complete air fill is achieved, uh, it is left in place for 8 minutes to 10 minutes and then we do the partial evacuation of air such that we have freely mobile air bubble in the anterior chamber. Instill a drop of uh, uh, a few mitriatic agent and then send the patient and review these patients on the next day. Um, the post-operative uh, medical management is almost the same as for any other uh, intraocular procedure and it comprises of uh, corticosteroids and antibiotic drops. Antibiotics are stopped after five days while the corticosteroids are continued for a one month period. The patients where we notice pupillary block uh, are are given mitriatic drops as well as uh, uh, intraocular pressure lowering agents depending on the extent of the pupillary block or uh, some of these patients uh, uh, where the partial evacuation is not done properly may end up having severe pupillary block glaucoma and may require evacuation of uh, air in the uh, in the operating room. Dr. Chausoria, um, um, Dr. Garg, thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Dr. Young. Sunita Chausoria is a consultant in the cornea and anterior segment service at the LV Prasad Eye Institute in Hyderabad, India. Prashant Garg is Director of Education and the Dr. G. Chandrasekhar Distinguished Chair of Education and Consultant in the Cornea and Anterior Segment Service and Medical Director at the Ramayama International Eye Bank at the L.V. Prasad Eye Institute in Hyderabad, India. Their paper, Outcomes of Air Desmetopexy, for Desmay Membrane Detachment After Cataract Surgery appears in the July 2012 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Here's some additional information about the new ASCRS Media Center. Almost all of the 2012 ASCRS-ASOA meeting was audio and video recorded, and there are now more than 1,300 sessions featuring almost 1,000 speakers available online. You can view the general sessions, ASCRS paper sessions, symposia, films and posters, plus select courses and ASOA sessions on business management. It's essentially the entire meeting, anytime you want, and it's all available through the new ASCRS Media Center. If you attended the meeting, your media center access is free. If you're a current ASCRS 
or ASOA member but didn't attend, you can still see everything that you missed for the member price of $199. If you're not an ASCRS member, you can still purchase the Media Center, or better yet, join us and get the lower member price. To view the 2012 meeting through the Media Center, visit the ASCRS website at www.ascrs.org. If you're already a member, log in first and then click the Media Center link. If you're a guest, just click the Media Center link at the top of the page. From there, you can purchase the Chicago 2012 package or, better yet, join the ASCRS and receive the discounted member price. Ask questions of Dr. Chausoria, Dr. Garg, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.